so heard a story the other day about a, uh, a young man who was 15 years old and he uh, just got his learner's permit, as some of y'all have been there or been parents or grandparents through all that. So obviously he starts talking to his dad about um, getting a car for him. I want my own car, dad, when I turn 16. That's coming up. And his dad says, okay, okay, okay. I knew this day was coming, so they, they had a talk. And he said, I'll tell you what, your grades are a little low right now, but if you'll bring your grades up, and if you can every day take some time and start studying the Bible and get your hair cut, we'll talk about you getting a car just for you. And he says, okay. So about a month went by, and his uh, dad and him came back together. He goes, all right, Dad, it's been a month. You know, can we talk about me getting a car again? And he goes, well, son, you know, I'm really proud of you. It's obvious that your grades are up now. It's obvious I've caught you studying the Bible, um, but you still haven't cut your hair. And he goes, well, Dad, there's something about that. You know, you told me to start reading the Bible, and I noticed Noah had long hair. Moses had long hair. Samson had long hair. And, Dad, even Jesus had long hair. And his dad goes, you're right, son, but they all walked everywhere they went. (laughs) Little bit of a blind spot there for the son, huh? So we've started this series called Blind Spot, and again, we know what that means maybe in our vehicles and driving, but what we've really focused on is as humans, we're flawed. As humans, we do certainly have blind spots that we don't always see because of our belief system, because the way we were raised, because of our environment, you know, fill in the blank with all those variables. They, they kind of, you know, that's how we get to our belief system and the way we view the world, but sometimes... We do have blind spots because we don't know everything that we can know about things. And so last week, if you remember, if you weren't here, that's okay. If you were, you remember we looked at Moses and two extremes of those blind spots. One was when he was first called by God in the burning bush. Um, He's like, oh, no, not me. You know, you don't understand, God. I I don't have the ability to do this. I don't have the gifts. I don't have the talents. All this. He had every reason why God shouldn't choose him to go. And this was a daunting task to go to the Pharaoh and say, hey, why don't you release your one million plus workforce uh, and just let them go out into the desert and have a worship service is basically what he was asking. And, and God says, oh, I know all that, but I've still chosen you. And go, you know what, you just need to choose somebody else. And, and, and he had this blind spot that God couldn't use him because of his past, because of his lack of abilities. And God says, that's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm going to give you the abilities. I'm going to give you the power, but I have chosen you and you are going to go. And then as he went forward in obedience to what God had called him to do. Moses, God, through Moses, did all these miraculous things. You remember the ten plagues, and just as God said, he was with him every step of the way. When they finally got let loose, that million-plus workforce, and they're moving to the desert, and then Pharaoh changed his mind, and then the opening of the Red Sea, and all of that. Moses is the one lifting up his staff, knowing God has called me. He wasn't kidding. He will be with me. So God kind of removed that blind spot. But then later, after all of that, we noticed that, that... Moses kind of became a leader who had formed another blind spot, and that was, I have to do everything. Because I know now God has called me. I know now he works through me, and he does all these things, so I have to do everything. And you remember Jethro, his father-in-law, came to visit one day and watched him all day, and people came to him and go, oh, here's our problems, Moses. How, you know, what do we do? What does the law say? And he just watched that all day and go, man, this is not good. This is crazy. You're trying to do everything and be everything to everybody, and you just can't do it. You're going to wear yourself out. You're going to wear these people out. And he says, you know, you've got, out of a million 
plus people, there's a lot of talented, gifted people that could be leaders over all these people and help you out and make it a lot better. And Moses was okay in listening to his father-in-law. He goes, you're right. And this wasn't a thus saith the Lord in a burning bush. This was just a godly father-in-law giving him some advice and wisdom. And, and, and he took it. And he did what uh, Jethro suggests. And part of what I want us to see in this series is not only the blind spots of these biblical characters, but how they dealt with blind spots when someone says, hey, I think you need to look at this. That's important for us as people. Now, when we look at the Bible, the, the Bible does not leave out messy stuff, does it? I mean, there's, it's full of messy people and messy things. Even our heroes, Moses had messy stuff. We're going to read about one day who had messy stuff. It's all in there. God doesn't leave that out. And all of us know, and there's parts that I was like, ah, Judges, we're going to look at today, is the most disturbing book in the Bible to me if you've ever read it. I was like, I wouldn't have put that in there. But it's in there because God is, is letting us know from Genesis to Revelation that there's going to be heroes and there's going to be people that I call to do great things, but they're not the Savior. And through all these heroes that were doing God's will, they, they are always pointing us to Jesus who would come, who would be perfect, who wouldn't have blind spots, who would be the perfect Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. And all of the old covenant is pointing to the new covenant in Christ. So that's why it's important for us to, to look at that in these biblical characters. So we're going to take a look today at a man in the book of Judges named Samson. And it's Samson, not Samson. Some of y'all probably said that before. Oh, it isn't Samson with a P? No, it's just S-A-M-S-N-O. It's kind of like my uncle who used to always say, hey, I'm going to Kroger's. And y'all are laughing because y'all have people in your family. And they go, are you going to more than one today? But we say Kroger's. It's not Kroger's, it's Kroger. Like, we're studying the book of Revelations. No, it's Revelation without an S. Oh, you're just being a Bible nerd. I know, but it is Revelation. Look in your Bible, you know. But we do these things. So I, for many years, I thought it was Samson, you know, but it's Samson. But anyway, we read, and I'm going to do a little background before we get to chapter 16, where I want us to look today is in the book of Judges, um, there was a, a, a man named Manoah and his wife, who is interesting, the writer of Judges never tells us what Samson's mother's name is. I don't know why he left that out, but for some reason it just says there was a man named Manoah and his wife, and, uh, and they never reveal her name, but uh, they wanted children. And one day an angel came to Manoah's wife and told her that she would have a son. But while she was pregnant with that child, she was not to have any fermented drink and not to eat any forbidden food. And you're like, forbidden food? What do you mean? Well, in the law of Moses, there were certain food. Y'all know that the uh, Israelites could and couldn't eat and uh, dietary things. And some of that had to do with health reasons. Some of it had were just following what God's called us to be as set apart by God to reflect who he is. So she understood that. And there was a story about how her, she told her husband and he thought she was nuts. He goes, well, can the angel come back? And he did. And it was interesting. So I'm telling y'all, when I tell you this stuff in the pulpit, you need to go read your Bible and make sure that Craig's telling you the truth. You need to know that. I can tell you whatever, but if you're not reading your own Bible and making sure what I'm telling you is the truth, that's on you. You need to make sure I'm telling you the truth. Now, obviously, I, I come up with a lot of scenarios which are uh, speculation, right? And that's fun to do. But ultimately, you need to know what God's Word says, and you need to come up with how you view that through the lens of Scripture, everything that I'm saying. So anyway, I'm just saying that. Go and read this stuff, but it's funny, really, in this, this, this whole thing. But anyway, they realize they're going to have a, a child, and they say, the angel told her, once you give birth to this, this baby boy, his hair must never be cut. 
He will be dedicated as a Nazarite from birth. Now, some of you may have heard of that Nazarite or Nazarite vow. In the New Testament, we hear that Paul took a Nazarite vow one time where he says, I'm not going to, you know, I don't know how all that worked, but obviously, you know, it's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to drink any fermented drink and I'm going to let my hair grow. And when people, when you go to a party and people go, Hey, you want a beer? No, I'm, Oh, your hair's long. Okay. You're a Nazarite vow. I get it. All right. So, so they go through that. People know that you have set apart this time period to do something dedicated to God. And part of that is letting your hair grow and not drinking for me. So that's where we're at. Now, if you want to know specifically what all that entails, you can go to the book of Numbers in the Old Testament, verses, chapter 6, verses 1 through 21, and it's really detailed as all the law of Moses is. But Samson, the angel said, would begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. So in this period of time, this is after Moses and they've taken over the promised land. But as we know, there was a covenant between God and the Israelites. You obey my covenant and I give you protection because you were to reflect to the rest of the world the character of God and who he is. And so they had broken that covenant. They had done evil in the eyes of the Lord, the scripture tells us. And he had given them over to the Philistines who had oppressed them for 40 years. So finally, they've been praying. They've been Some people have been repenting, and God hears that, and he goes, I'm going to raise up this guy named Samson, and he's going to help rescue Israel, at least begin to rescue Israel from Philistines. So Judges 13 tells us that the Lord blessed Samson as he grew up, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir in him as a young man. Now, Samson realized one day, and again, I'm paraphrasing, getting to chapter 16 from chapter 13, but Samson realized one day a lion, a young lion attacked him on the road. And he, it says that the Lord came upon him and it gave him the super strength. And as the lion attacked him, he grabbed the lion by the head and literally broke his jaw apart like it was nothing. The scripture says like it was just a little goat. And, and when that happened... Samson realized, this is not me. This has to be from God, because he felt God stirring in him before that happened. But he did this, and he was like, what did I just do? Sorry, animal lovers, I know that seems cruel, but it's, it was either kill the lion or be killed. But he realized at that point. Now, I don't know, now, when I hear Samson as I was growing up, and I remember there used to be a Nike ad where it had uh, a picture of supposedly Samson standing, pushing two um, uh, columns down, and he had on Nike shoes, of course, and he's this, you know, steroid monster, you know, bulked up guy. And I'm thinking, that's what he looked like, right? And I'm like, we don't know if he lifted weights back then. I mean, I don't know what weights looked like back then. Pretty crude Cro-Magnon kind of, uh, you know, stones and stuff. But we don't know that he looked like that. We don't know that he did. We don't know that he went into a, a, a Hulk kind of thing where he turned green and busted. You know, we don't know any of that. We just know that he had this super strength when the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. That's what we do know. But Judges 13 says that San, you know, he, he was blessed as he was growing up. And in uh, this super strength would come up upon him powerfully from the Lord. And this was to be a sign to anybody that saw this that, why does this guy have this strength? This has to be from God. He can't just do this on his own. This has to be from God. And it was to show that he was to rescue the Israelites from the Philistines. And later, as you can read in Judges 13 through 15, Samson did some crazy things. I, I would encourage you to read this. This is It's really pretty humorous what he does in his life. But he, there's this wedding party, and during the wedding party, there was some kind of deal made about figuring out a riddle, and they deceived Samson, and he gets mad, and he kills 30 Philistines by himself. 
So yeah, it came upon him again. And this was a wedding party. When 30 people get killed at a wedding party, kind of put a dampers on the wedding. You know, it's like, oh man, this is awkward. So then another deception came from the Philistine to Samson, and he came up with this idea. And again, somebody should make a movie. Maybe they have. I just haven't seen it, but about Samson, because this is fascinating. He caught 300 foxes. How do you catch 300 foxes? But he did, and then he tied their tails together two by two, so you have 150 pair of foxes with their uh, tails tied together. Then he sticks a torch between all of those tails he's tied together. Then he lights it and sends them through the Philistines' fields of wheat so that it will destroy, and it did, their whole crop of wheat. That got their attention. And then they want to come after him. And the, and the Israelites are going, what did you do that for, Samson? Now they're mad at us. They're going to come after us. We've been under their thumb. We're, we want to turn you over to them. He goes, that's fine. Turn me over to them. Just don't kill me yourselves. And they said, okay. So they tie him up and they give him to the Philistines. The Philistines come and he's all tied up. And he does the Hulk thing, whatever. And he breaks out of that. And it says he grabs the jawbone of a donkey and kills a thousand men by himself. How great would that be in a movie? Can you see that? Man, I could direct that, you know, just swinging that thing, knock, uh, you know, okay? And so this is what's, I mean, this is this power that's come upon him. And the Philistines, after those thousand are dead by the jawbone, go, this guy has super strength, this has to be from God. What is it about this? And again, keep in mind, Samson is supposed to be reflecting the character of God in all that he does. But along this 20 years of him being the judge or the leader of Israel, he begins to develop a blind spot. Samson had this seeming blind spot of anger and revenge. God gave this super strength to Samson to show the Philistines that God was with Samson, and this super strength was supposed to be used again to release or to begin to release the Israelites from the Philistines. But as you read through these other chapters of Judges, Samson develops this blind spot. He uses his strength not necessarily good for all the people of Israel and to point them to the character of God, but I'm mad and I'm going to use this for my own deal, for my own selfish pleasures and desires. And you can read about that. But we're going to go to chapter 16 and start in verse 4, and we're going to hear the story of a lady named Delilah. Y'all probably heard about Delilah, and that comes from the Bible. So listen to what happened. So sometime later, the writer says, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Samson answered her, If anyone ties me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Then the rulers of the Philistines brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she tied him with them. With the men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the bowstrings as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So, the secret of his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, You have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. He says, If anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. Then with men hidden in the room, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were thread. You see how this would be a movie? This is great. 
So Delilah said to Samson, All this time you have been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. If you will weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with the pen, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head and wove them into fabric and tightened them with the pen. And again she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and pulled up the pen and the loom and the fabric. Then she said to him, How can you say I love you? When you won't confide in me. This is the third time you have made a fool of me. And haven't told me the secret of your great strength. This is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible right here. With such nagging. She prodded him day after day. Until he was sick to death of it. Now I'm not just saying this about women to men. I'm saying this to parents to kids. And kids to parents. You know like buy me that car. Buy me that car. Okay I'll buy you the car. You know nagging. Such nagging. So he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head. Listen to what he says. Because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would be as weak as any other man. When Delilah saw that she had... That he had told her everything, she sent the word to the rulers of the Philistines. Come back once more, he has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair. And so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. She called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Probably some of the saddest words in all of Scripture. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding grain in the prison, but the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. Interesting story. So Samson was set apart. He was called from before his birth for a purpose, for a purpose, and a gift from God. And as we read, he used that gift of super strength for selfish purposes. And now it didn't start that way. That day with the lion, he was like, oh my goodness. My parents weren't kidding. This is something I know that God came upon me. This is not what I can normally do. And we also read how he continually did some things, though, as he got moved on and got older. He continually taunted or provoked the enemy unnecessarily. He was supposed to show the Philistines that God had gifted him and was there to, 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 to reflect the, uh, the character of God. But it got to be these personal things. And he got, blind, he got a blind spot to what he was really supposed to do. And his parents, he goes, hey, go, go find me this girl. I found this beautiful girl. And they go, she's, she's a Philistine. Why would you do that? God has called us to marry only our people. Why would you? Ah, just go get her for me. These are the kind of things that, um, that Samson did. He knew that he was supposed to be reflecting the character of God. But selfishly there were things that he wanted he thought well God's always going to protect me he'll always give me this super strength because he has called me from birth so we also read how he taunted and provoked the enemy he was constantly going to their towns we read in one of the verses where he went to see a prostitute in a Philistine town and he tore the whole gate off and carried it up the hill and again you're using your super strength not to reflect the character of God but you're doing it to taunt the enemy and for your own purposes that's a blind spot Samson And he simply did what he wanted for himself. And he presumed that God would always give him the super strength and protect him. And he knew about his Nazarite vow. Did you you read with me as he finally tells Delilah the whole truth. He says, no razor has ever been used on my head. Because 
I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. He knew his calling clearly. He knew that. You know his mom and daddy told him that when the whole time he was growing up. You've been dedicated to God. You've been dedicated to God. You've been dedicated to God. You've got to understand that. And that's why you're a Nazarite. That's why we don't cut your hair. Mama, how come y'all never cut my hair? Because you were dedicated to God. You have a Nazarite. He knew that. Growing up, he was always told that. It was drilled into him, and he understood that. But he presumed security that God would always protect him regardless of what he did or what he said. And it was clear that God was patient. It was clear that God was merciful many times in those 20 years of him leading Israel. But Samson rationalized his sin over and over again. He rationalized his disobedience and his forsaking of his call. He thought that would never cost him. But it did. He clearly knew about his vow. He clearly knew about God's calling in his life. But he heard some of the saddest words. He did not know that the Lord had left him. And they got him. They gouged his eyes out. Can you imagine what that felt like? So what do we learn from Samson and his blind spot? Well, what I think we learn is that that God has called every one of us to reflect the character of God. Every one of you were born with a purpose and a calling in this world to reflect the character of God. Now, some of you have been blessed, as I have been, to be brought up by parents that taught me that, that brought me to a church that taught me that. But there's a lot of people in this world, y'all, that aren't brought up with parents that teach them that, that they were born and created for a purpose to reflect the character of God. They don't know that. They've never been to church. They've never read the Bible. And so the ones that have had that privilege, us should be reflecting the character of God to them and telling them the good news that God did choose you. He did create you for a purpose and a plan, and you need to know that and recognize. And it's different for everybody. Your calling is different than mine, but everybody, I believe, has a calling, and we have been created for a purpose by God, and our identity should be in God and in Christ. But some people aren't taught that. Are we sharing that message? And it's important that we let people know that, that they have a calling and a purpose. And we cannot think because we're saved, because we've confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior, and we've been baptized, and we've become a Christian, and we read our Bibles, and we join the church, that somehow we have this presumed security from God because of that. And as I look around the room and know a lot of y'all and know some of your stories, y'all know that's true, because 90% of our Prayer requests in this church are about people's physical ailments, aren't they? And that lets all of us know that we aren't immune to bad stuff happening in our life, even if we are Jesus followers, even if we are following God and and trying to be who God's called us to be, even if we are trying to reflect the character of God. So whatever God has called us to in this world is special. And sometimes it takes us a while to know that calling, doesn't it? That's why people have testimonies. You know what a testimony is? It's your story about how God called you and how you finally go, I didn't realize that. And some of us have way more interesting testimonies than others. Mine's pretty dang boring. But I've met some of y'all, and y'all have amazing stories. And as I listen to them, I go, there's no way they could make that up. God, at a certain season in their life, woke them up because they didn't have that background that I did. And when he woke them up, they realized it, and they were a changed person. And it made a difference in their life. And it takes a while sometimes to understand that calling. And we must be faithful to that calling and not 
something else that is selfish and self-centered or use our calling for just what we want. We have to be careful with that. And we need people in our lives that can remind us of our calling and tell us when they see our blind spots and say, hey, wait a minute, this is what I see, and point us back to reflecting the character of God. And y'all know I quote this verse all the time, but this verse to me, when Paul wrote it, is really... This is, this is what life is all about. He says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has planned in advance for us. It took Paul a while to figure that out, didn't it? He went on this self-righteous, pharisaical thing for quite some time until God hit him up you know, beside the head with a two-by-four on the road to Damascus and said, that's not what I called you and developed you to do, Paul. And man, when Paul finally figured it out, he changed the world. We're sitting here today because Paul recognized his calling was for the world, not for him, but for the world. And he literally was able, through the power of God and the Holy Spirit, to change the world. So we all have that calling. And so today, I want to offer, as we always do, an opportunity. Maybe there's somebody here today, and maybe you're not sure what your calling is, but I want you to hear loud and clear that God has called you. He has a purpose for your life. And you can find that out more clearly if you will surrender to him and let him be the Savior and Lord of your life. So we're going to offer that invitation if there's somebody here today that needs to start that. And it's a process, y'all. When you come down and confess and, you, and you're baptized, it's not like tomorrow. Oh, it's all clear now. Anybody in here can tell you that's, that's not the way it is, right? It's a process. It was for Paul. It is for all of us. But it's the starting point of surrendering to God and saying, I know you have a calling in my life. Reveal to me what that is. So I'm going to ask the, the, the team to come on up. And if you have a decision in it, and let me tell you something. You know what I said about the Bible is messy? The church is messy. Families are messy, aren't they? And we work through those messy things in our families and in our churches. But if you are looking for a church home, we invite you to say we are committed to reflecting the character of God and what we do. We're not always perfect at that, but that's what our commitment is because that's what God calls us to do.